You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio 950 AM and 930 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you conversation about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Good morning, I'm Michael May of the Archdiocese of Chicago's Radio TV office, and I'm happy to be with you today. Every Saturday, we bring you highlights of our local Catholic radio programs that can be heard Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 in the morning on WNDZ 750 AM. Today, we begin with a highlight from our Voice of Charity program. Co-hosts Marie Jokum and Bridget Murphy welcome Father Wayne Watts, Catholic Charities Associate Administrator and Pastor of Saints Joseph and Francis Xavier Parish in Wilmette. They discussed the challenges and beauty found in the special ministry of anointing the sick during the COVID-19 pandemic. Welcome, Father Wayne. Thank you very much. Happy to be with you. Well, Father Wayne, we understand you had a wedding this weekend, and so pull back the curtain and tell us what a wedding is like in uh, the time of COVID-19. Well, it certainly is different, uh, you know, because we have to follow all the guidelines of the CDC and the government and the church. This wedding happened to be in a different state. It was in Virginia, and it was a beautiful wedding. Uh, It was originally scheduled to have 300 guests. That number was divided by more than 10, and we had a wedding of about 18 or 20 people at the wedding. Uh, We had a church wedding and a small reception at the family farm. It was a beautiful wedding, but, uh, you know, everyone is shifting because of the new reality that we live in. There was a great deal of joy, but uh, one of the things that they did, which was very interesting, is they invited their friends who were originally going to come to the farm for a bigger celebration to send video messages uh, toasting them on their wedding And so they had about an hour-long video that we watched the day after the wedding of their friends from all over the country who wanted to be with them, who couldn't be because of the virus. They uh, toasted them with beautiful words and a lot of humor. So they made the best of a bad deal, I would say, and they were very joyfully and happily married. I love that. That sounds so special. And, and, you know, it really... kind of reminds me of your general attitude, Father Wang, that we, we're going to figure this out. Uh, we often say, yes say kind of... Say yes and figure it out, right, Marie? <laughs> yeah, say exactly. Yes and I was going to say, we kind of, we, that's a new mantra um, at Charities because of you. And is that, that sort of spirit of saying yes and figuring it out, is that what led you to your recent appointment by Cardinal Stupich to become one of the 27 priests in the Archdiocese assigned to this special hospitality ministry during COVID-19. How did that happen? So the word was sent out that they needed priests who were, I think the, it was under 60 and in good health. And um, as soon as the word got out, I sent a note to my bishop, Bishop Bartosik, and I said, I said, if you're looking for someone under 60 in good health, I'm raising my hand. And probably within 15 seconds, he responded, you're in. And so uh, I think because, you know, we use the gifts that God has given us, and I guess my gift is relative youth and relative good health, uh, relative to all (laughs) the rest of my colleagues. And 
so I, I thought this is a great way. You know, I love working at Catholic Charities because it's putting the corporal works of mercy into practice, and this was just another opportunity to live the corporal works of mercy in my life. So, Father Wayne, was there any special training? So you're going into both hospitals and homes where people are very sick um, with COVID-19 for um, the anointing of the sick. Were there any any special training you had to go through? There was indeed. We actually had, uh, as is typical these days, uh, uh, online training. I forget if we use Zoom or Team or <laughs> GoToMeeting, one of those platforms. <laughs> We had a 90-minute training with a uh, with a consultant in the healthcare industry, a wonderful guy who's helping the Archdiocese of Chicago, Justice Justin Lombardo. Justin's helping with the whole COVID response, and he's an expert. And he also brought in other experts, including uh, an infectious disease doctor from Northwestern, who helped train the priests, all of us as to what we're supposed to do. So Justin and a wonderful lady named Mary Kay Gone is also on the team. She's a nurse practitioner who is working with the Archdiocese of Chicago with the priests regularly, and she was asked to be uh, part of this ministry as well. And there's a deacon, Charles Shalcross, who is also helping coordinate the, I guess, the... Uh, sending us out. So what happens is that it, it, we're trained, and then if somebody calls for a COVID-19, it's funneled through the archdiocese, and one of those three, Mary Kay, Justin, or Deacon Charles, uh, handle the calls and call one of us to go out. And and can you maybe walk us through what happens when you get there? What What's going on during that? Um, I'm, I'm imagining, obviously, the sacrament is the same, but how you go about um, doing the anointing, I'm guessing, is different. But would you be able to walk us through that a little bit? Sure, absolutely. It's, uh, it is different, and it's the same, as you said, Marie. So I uh, get the call from the Archdiocese, from one of those three folks I mentioned earlier. And then th what I ask them to do is they send me a text message with the name of the patient, the room number, and a family contact number. What I like to do is I like to call the family and say, oh, this is Father Wayne Watts. I'm on my way to the hospital to visit your wife or husband or father or whatever. And because these people can't be with them, I ask yeah. them if there's anything they'd like me to relay to the patient, to their loved one. Oftentimes it's... it's, it's uh, a, you know, a message of love and support, and we're with you, we love you, and I bring that message with me when I go, and I let the, I let the, the patient know. So when I enter the hospital, I, you know, I bring my own, what they call PPE, as we all have learned, uh, personal protection equipment. I bring my own PPE, including an N95 mask. I wear gloves into the hospital, and at, at the hospital, entrance as everyone who enters the hospital these days i get my temperature checked they check the temperature and they ask me a series of questions to make sure that i'm not bringing the infection in with me i then go to the floor and the nurses are great they help me put on all the ppe correctly because it's it's a very contagious 
disease as you know. And so I put on the PPE, and I bring the holy oil, the oil of the sick, on a cotton swab. Normally it's in a container, and I just use the container, but this is different. We put it on the cotton swab, and we anoint, and I go in and I, uh, I offer the message from the family, and I ask the patient if the patient is responsive. I ask the patient if she or he wants to be anointed. And then I uh, pray the prayer of anointing. I use the cotton swab wearing two pairs of glove and having gown on, doing everything properly according to the hospital regulations or the nursing home. Or if I do it in the home, I have my own procedure. And I, uh, I anoint the patient on wow. his or her forehead and palms of her hand with the holy oil. I then need to save the cotton swab in a separate plastic bag so I can take it and dispose of it properly. Because it is sacred, it needs to be disposed of properly, and normally that is either burying or burning it. So then I just, uh, when I finish the anointing, I take the oil out, I take all my PPP off, and uh, the nurses help me on the outside, I scrub myself down, and I return home and I dispose of the oil properly. The instructions are, we're it's kind of a funny story, we're supposed to, when we get home, strip down and put our clothes immediately in the washing machine. Well, m the washing machine on my campus is like a block away from where I live, so <laughs> I have to be very careful where I strip down because I could get myself in trouble. But I, <laughs> uh, but I do strip down outside my house, and then I, with gloves, carry my clothes back to the laundry and wash them. It's, it's a major process. What's that address again, <laughs> Father Wayne? <laughs> <laughs> This is incredible. I think, I mean, I'm I'm thinking sort of flashing in my mind is the video that um, your, our dear friend Noreen Russo put together for your 30th with others, of course. And I'm just imagining, you know, when you were a young priest, if you thought, ever thought that this is where you would be, anointing folks with a cotton swab. Um, right. And, and, and so wearing, interesting. At one of the hospitals, they have a... a, a I don't even have to use my own PPE at one of the hospitals. They have a, it's like a spacesuit, just the head part of the spacesuit called a uh, papper, and it keeps the, the person who's taking care of the patient safe. It, you actually look like an astronaut. Can you just share a little bit about what you hear from family members? It, it must mean so much, even when they can't be there. Um, to know that you're there, uh, not just any priest, but you, um, in the hospital with their loved one when they can't be there? They're, I think they're, they're very grateful for the call before and after because it's a way that they really feel present. And I call them as I'm walking into the hospital and as I walk out of the hospital. So in a sense, I'm representing them as well as the church in the sacrament. And, and they feel good about that. You know, it's so hard. I had one uh, experience early on in the, the pandemic where I had a man call me or call the arch or I forget how I got called in. Uh, and so I got his number and I called him and he said, 
are you sure you want to do this? You want to put yourself in jeopardy? And he was not a Catholic man himself. He said, I'm really doing this just for his, for her sisters uh, on behalf of his wife. I said, well, for whatever, whatever. if you want to give your, your sister-in-law my phone number, I'll talk to her too. But know that I'll give your message to your wife, that you love her, you care about her, and I'll call you. And if the sister wants to call me, she can call me after Sure enough, I called him back, and then the sister called me, and then a day later, uh, the woman died, and her husband called me, the non-Catholic husband called me and said, we're having a funeral, and we feel so connected to you. We're wondering if you could come to this funeral home and do the service for us, because you were with us at this very important time. Could you come? And of course, I went and I did the funeral for the, for the family. And it just was a, a neat connection. It was someone who wasn't connected to the church, got connected to the church, and was grateful for the personal relationship that I brought into to the hospital room. So it was pretty cool. I mean, there are a number I, of other stories just like that. Really, I think, you know, it, it is, like you just said, it's an opportunity to welcome other people in as well and sort of highlight the beautiful things that do happen um, in our Catholic community and in our Catholic faith. And I, I love that you were that welcoming piece um, to a non-Catholic husband. I think that's beautiful. Speaking of welcoming and getting back to church and church community, we know that St. Joseph and Francis Xavier is the first parish in the Archdiocese of Chicago to have been certified to reopen last weekend. Um, I believe that you were open two hours on Saturday and Sunday, and there was also reconciliation. How did that go? And, and I know that there's a long process. I know that the Cardinal and his team have put a lot of time and energy into thinking how to do this. But can you share with our listener what listeners what exactly that is like? Well, yeah, it's a new reality. I mean, uh, we had uh, confessions on Saturday and Sunday at St. Joe's. Um, it's interesting, of course, I was at the wedding in Virginia on Saturday, so I have a great team that did all the work, and I returned on Sunday and celebrate the sa- celebrated the sacrament uh, on the Sunday shift. Um, but we uh, we had to do a lot of work. I mean, we, we probably put in 10 hours of 20 people's time, so almost 200 hours uh, to get ready for the reopening. There, there wow. are very strict rules, 10 people in the church, six feet apart from one another, in, this, in one door and out another door. In the sacrament, the penitent needs to be six feet away from the, the, from the confessor. So we, uh, we were measuring things out and finding places uh, logistically where it would work properly, and it worked. It, it worked. I mean, I'm so blessed with a very committed and dedicated community here at St. Joseph and Francis Xavier that the volunteers did a ton of good work. Father Matt Spots, a young, newly ordained Jesuit who is helping us in our parish, has worked really hard, and my operations director, Joe Diarco, made sure everything went super smoothly. But it's a lot of work. And, you know, we're talking yeah. about opening the church for private prayer again. You know, opening the church for five, for two hours is going to be a production. We're hoping to do it by the end of this week or the beginning of next. But we have to have at least three to five volunteers during those two hours that will 
greet the people, remind them to wear masks, and after they leave, sanitize the place where they were sitting and praying. Every time there's human contact with the surfaces, we will sanitize, as is directed by the Archdiocese and the CDC. That's amazing. What um, If people want to participate in that kind of thing, what should they do? Do they go to your website to see the hours? And what, what should they expect? They should bring their own PPE. They should plan to stand six feet apart. Um, you're probably not encouraging people to stay too long so everyone gets a chance. Can you, what, what might parishioners expect? So I think... Um Parishioners will be, we, we have a great communication system here. We send an email out every morning with a link to our online YouTube mass. And we send the email out to about 3,000 people who are parishioners and other friends who want to be part of this community that we've, this online community that we've uh, created. And, and so look at an, we'll get an, uh, send out an invitation People, I think, we haven't even gotten there yet, but I think it's going to be a sign-up genius where people sign up for 15-minute increments as we open in the days that we are open. Got it. So we know who's coming. I think one of the things Cardinal Supich would like to do is know who's in church in case there is an infection and say, oh, these other people were also in church. We should let them know. Right. Contact tracing. Contact tracing is exactly right. And one of the things that we are really saying that, you know, you can pray from home. Right. You can join us at Mass online. And um, if you are in the vulnerable population, you really should consider staying home until it's safe. Yeah, and just the, the understanding that prayer and being together in community can happen in lots of different ways. Um, sometimes it's that phone call outside of the hospital for a family member as their loved one is dying, and sometimes it's watching um, from the comfort of your couch uh, Father Wayne give another great homily on his YouTube channel. So I think there's lots of ways that we're all learning to come together. I know folks are excited to get back into the pews, so it, it's good to know how safe um and reasonable you you are being uh, in We're the being approach very of cautious, back there. Very yeah. cautious and very conservative as we move forward because we want everyone to be safe. In the meantime, we have three times a day people gather for the rosary online or by their phone. It's amazing. To hear that entire conversation with Father Wayne Watts, visit our website, archchicago.org, and click on the radio TV stamp. You can also find our programs as the Catholic Chicago Podcast, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. Our next highlight comes from Todd Williamson and Timothy Johnston with a focus on the liturgy program. Let's listen in. Timothy, happy seventh week of Easter. Yeah, happy seventh week. How did it go by so fast? I know, I know. As our listeners know, we're here every fourth Wednesday of the month to talk about all the various rites and rituals, the seasons, anything that's part of the communal corporate liturgical life of the church. And probably if mentioning liturgical seasons, probably, not probably, the highlight of the liturgical year is Easter and the 50 days that that unpack it and celebrate it. And like you said, Timothy, I I don't know where it all went. somewhere down the pandemic hole, but it went, <laughs> it seemed to go by way too fast. 
Yeah, it, it really, uh, really did as the days during this time of sheltering in place kind of flow in and one in and out of one another without much distinction these days. Without doubt, I've heard it said over and over and over again, this, is, this has been a unique Easter season unlike any other, obviously. Yes, it has. But, hopefully a rich, a rich season, though, with, with folks being able to have more time with their family, praying, um, and, and maybe reflecting upon all the things we've even talked about over the last few months um, on the show. That's exactly what I was going to note. I, I agree with you 100%. I don't know how many people have told me that um, their experience of COVID-19 and sheltering at home orders, um, uh, social distancing, only essential travel, uh, how many people have talked about how this must have been what it was like for the early disciples? Um, you know, not, not not unsure of themselves, unsure of the situation, unsure of how how to do what Jesus called them to do uh, with uh, all of the limitations that they experienced, that it must have been something like what we've had. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that. And the, even just even those scripture stories that we, we've heard throughout the season, um, the one that comes to my mind as you were talking is specifically about being hit in the upper room. Um, and like you said, not knowing what's next and what is supposed to be happening. Jesus promises something, and yet we're sort of in this liminal time where it's, it's new. It's uh, just like the apostles. It was new. The whole experience of what happened after uh, the resurrection and the ascension, all of that was new, and they had to chart new waters. And so in some ways, we have been doing that as individuals, as families, and as church. You know, Timothy, I have not thought about this, but you just struck something in me. So here we are, the, um, the last week of Easter. We're coming, this is Wednesday of the seventh week, um, and, and where we are even in the scriptural readings, um, it, it, it just strikes me that the Easter season, at least through the Gospels, both begins and ends in the upper room. Yes, that's right. I, I never did you. I've never realized that. Have you? Uh, no, I don't think. I don't think I've ever consciously made that connection the way you just did. Where Where were they on Easter morning? I mean, uh, they they after after Good Friday after the after the crucifixion they were huddled in the in the upper room, uh, afraid. Uh, where are they at the end of the Easter season? We'll touch on this later, but Jesus said, go back to, go back and pray, go back and pray for the advocate, uh, as, as I ascend to my father. And, and where does Pentecost find them? (laughs) Back in that (laughs) room. And so have we been in our upper rooms through all of the Easter season in, in this, in this COVID experience. It really has given a new twist. It's, and and like you said, some richness, I think, to many people's uh, prayer, many people's experience, many people's meditation, um, m- m- many people's uh, own experience of Christ in their lives at this point. Yeah, one of the things that's been really great for me during this period is, um, which I think we mentioned on the last show or maybe the last two shows, is that LTP has been doing uh, these online virtual uh, retreats and experiences, and weekly we've been meeting on Thursdays to break open the Sunday Scriptures. And we've had anywhere from 50 to 70 people in different events, and some other things we've had close to 200 people. And it's been so much of a blessing to hear via 
them typing and responding to things, but the the profound experiences people across the country, even across the world, we've had people from Australia and New Zealand join it. Oh, wow. And it's been such a blessing to connect in, in different ways than obviously we are able to at Mass, and, and certainly we're all fasting and missing that experience of the Eucharistic liturgy. Um, but what a profound opportunity to hear people's personal stories, some people sharing some really personal struggles that they're having. And and in some ways, this became an online place for them to find community and to theologically reflect um, within that community on the joys and the sufferings within that time. And and that's sort of shown me a different side of, of church uh, in, in a good sense. Oh uh-huh. my gosh, yeah. So two, two quick things. Uh, so you mentioned these gatherings that have been going on Thursday nights uh, for uh, all the weeks of Easter. Just for the listeners, can they take part in this coming Thursdays? Yeah, this coming Thursday is still available. Um, you Just visiting ltp.org or uh, calling our customer service number, which I don't have in front of me. Uh, but uh, yeah, and there's still room to register and can participate, and we'll be breaking open the readings for, for Pentecost. And those... Um... Uh, that number, though, can be found on your website, right? Oh, for sure. So ltp.org. And second question that that prompted, are you going to be on this Thursdays? Um, I will be present, but I'm not presenting this Thursday. I presented on Ascension. Uh, I'm not sure who the presenters are on. I coming. won. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, I was hoping you'd be part of it, too. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be good. Uh, yeah, the, the this, this Thursday we are. We're reflecting on the... Um, on, on, on the, the liturgy of Pentecost. And what I love about these, Timothy, is that it's not just that you're reflecting on one specific acts, aspect or one, one specific element of the liturgy, like only the readings. We look at the opening collect. We look at all of the readings, including the psalm, which is a, a reading of Scripture. We look at hymnody. That's part of the, uh, uh, the, the celebration that, that's being reflected on. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the one on Pentecost. Yeah, they, they definitely have been uh, a blessing. And I hope folks at home, whether uh, they've been able to join us online or some other experience online, that during these days, especially this final week of, of the Easter season, um, have an opportunity to really sit with Scripture and, and to pray with and break it open and see what the Holy Spirit is inviting you to consider at this time, uh, this unique time, for sure. Nice, nice. That's a, it's a, that's a great opportunity. I mean, and, and of course, the, uh, throughout the Easter season, there have been so many wonderful resources out there, yet, m- first and foremost from LTP, of course, <laughs> but also other resources that have been available uh, for um, uh, prayer, for group mm-hmm. gatherings, for reflection. So uh, uh, my gosh, my, my hope and my prayer is that uh, our listeners have been able to take advantage of some of those things. Oh, for sure. And, and and all of it, all of it brings us uh, to the topic uh, for our show today. The the all of it leads to and, and 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 takes us to the culmination of the Easter season, the celebration of Pentecost itself. And I know you and I have talked before, right? but we, I mean, we both said it. I, I I love Pentecost. Well, yeah, how could you not? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's such a, a joyful celebration between the scriptures and. Um, Certainly the theological implications it has for us about the Spirit, the Advocate coming into the world, um, and, and enlivening us and empowering us to proclaim the Gospel, as we heard on Ascension, go out uh, and teach all nations. Um, 
you know, to go forth and, and be the witness, the presence of Christ. Um, I think growing up, this was, I think we've talked about this before, my favorite seasons at different times of my life have always shifted. And at one point, I think Pentecost um, was one of those, like right next to the Easter Vigil for me. And uh, just because of the, the power of my own experience of the, uh, of the power of the Holy Spirit, um, it was just so, uh, so alive and so real. You know, as you're talking, it just strikes me the uh, this really the these days, right between Ascension and Pentecost, and then Pentecost itself. I said it really is the culmination of the Easter season. But if you look at it the way you just described it, it it's the it's the <laughs> it's the culmination of what we talked about that first show uh, uh, during the octave of, of Easter, mm-hmm. right? It really is. Ascension and Pentecost really really are the culmination of the renewal of our baptism at the Easter Vigil and Easter Sunday. Yeah, and it 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 really is. I mean, just think about this. It, I think it's helpful. It is the end of the Easter season, but as you were just talking, I was thinking that it's a beginning mm-hmm. <laughs> of, you know, really as we go out. So it is that culmination, as you were saying, the beginning of our ministerial life, the living into that baptismal priesthood more fully um, after that whole season of conversion we've had during Lent, the season of joy and, and, and renewal um, of Easter, and now we move, uh, we'll move into ordinary time, and where we we wholeheartedly can focus on and practice what it means to be a disciple, and taking what we hear at the Ascension and Pentecost to heart, um, that yes, we've renewed our baptismal promises at the Easter or during Easter, and now we are sent, and we're sent to go and be with the poor, the sick, the dying, imprisoned, all those corporal works of mercy. We've said it before, we're sent to be the presence of Christ in this world that needs it so bad, needs the presence of Christ so badly. Yeah. And, 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 we, and you, as you've said, we, we do it through our actions, and, and these, are, these are the actions that we've been rehearsing throughout all of Lent, Right. Fasting, prayer, almsgiving, doing extra things, serving the poor, uh, taking on something extra. We've, we've rehearsed those behaviors. As you like to say, they've, be, they've become habitus for us. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, and now we're to go out and, and live it in, uh, in, in the rest of this uh, year, the, the rest of this liturgical year, the, the, the rest of this calendar year, the rest of our lives. And, and doing that even in this unique time. Yeah. Discovering yes. the way that we can do that, um, which may look different than it did in previous years, and that's okay, because it's, it's like a way of challenging and growing in our understanding of the Spirit within our own lives. And because I am human, and because I, I, I'm speaking just personally, because I, I know I fail, because I know I don't always live out that baptism that was renewed at this Easter season, because I... I I, I know I, I, I don't live up to it. Come along next Lent, I'm going to need to renew it once again. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the beauty and that's the power and the profundity of our liturgical year. Yeah, it, it, it really is that we have an opportunity year after year, day after day, really, um, week after week, season after season, to come back to 
the heart of the matter, which is that experience of the life, death, and resurrection of, of Christ, that Paschal mystery. And, and so you, you won't be alone next Lent. We'll, we'll be joining you. <laughs> all of us will, will definitely need, um, yeah, we all will need that renewal and, and uh, kind of the kick in the pants a little bit so that yep. we come turn toward God and can celebrate um, the gifts and the grace that we have um, and continue to grow more deeply in those. Yep, always called deeper and deeper and deeper. It's always a fascinating conversation with Todd and Timothy as they focus on the liturgy throughout the year. Stick around. After a short break, we'll hear highlights from a very special guest with Father Greg and Mark Teresi. We'll be right back. Throughout our nation and our world, people of all faiths have recently been joining fervently in all kinds of prayer. They have found that coming together in prayer is a source of comfort and strength. In this spirit of unity, the Archdiocese of Chicago has introduced A Call to Prayer, a telephone line dedicated to prayer. If you would like to join with another person in prayer, call 312-741-3388. This line is staffed from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily with parishioners from across the Archdiocese of Chicago. These volunteers are here to listen to you, offer support, and pray with you. A Call to Prayer includes a 24-hour voicemail and email options as well. Experience this wonderful opportunity to join with people just like you who trust in the power of prayer. That phone number again is 312-741-3388. Let's pray together today. There's nothing like having a friend to talk to when things are not going well. And in these challenging days, everyone has had moments when they are discouraged, sad, or worried. Catholic Charities wants you to know that we are here. If you or someone you know would like to share your concerns with a professional, call 312-948-6951 anytime, day or night, and you will be connected with an experienced counselor who will listen without judgment and offer compassionate, confidential advice that you can trust. That phone number again is 312-948-6951. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you. You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio, 9.50 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m., the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Our final segment today comes from our Catholic Chicago program. Hosts Father Greg Sakowitz and Mark Teresi welcomed Father Richard Fragamini to the program. Here is a highlight. Father Richard Fragamini is the rector of the Shrine of Our Lady of Pompeii, adjunct faculty member in the Department of Religious Studies at DePaul University, and a member of the Faculty of Catholic Theological Union. In addition, Father Fragamini, whose teaching duties gives presentations around the world on liturgical, sacramental, and catechetical topics. And we'll be talking points about pilgrimage and virtual technology. And Father Richard Fragamini, welcome to the program this morning. How are you, Richard? Good morning, morning, Richard. Greg. Good morning, Mark. Uh, 
thought of you, Mark, at the Easter Vigil that didn't exist, How really. Can I, and can I give you an update on Marty, who was so involved in that vigil because <laughs> yeah. of you with music? He and his wife, Shannon, are expecting daughter number four on Sunday. Oh, isn't that wonderful? On Sunday? Sunday, yeah. They're wow. Gonna, they're going to induce on Sunday. Amazing. If three... That's Lit- Pentecost Sunday. What yeah. a great day to be born. How about that it? That is How amazing. And then, now, uh, Richard, you have been with the Archdiocese of Chicago. You came here in what year? 1990, actually. Oh. I was uh, recruited uh, by um, Catholic Theological Union in Hyde Park, and uh, my bishop, uh, Bishop Howard Hubbard from Albany, put me on special assignment here to teach, and I've been teaching here ever since. But when you came here in 1990, wasn't it originally meant for maybe three, four, five years? It was originally. It was a kind of, he said to me, the bishop said, uh, see how you like it, see how they like you, <laughs> and, uh, and then we'll go from there. And so here I am. <laughs> and now 30 years already. Yes, it has been. Amazing. Well, you have it's such a tremendous reputation, outstanding priest, outstanding homilist, lecturer. Thanks. Uh, you're always filled with such enthusiasm. Yep. And joy. Uh, do you ever get tired? Um, <laughs> I don't. I'll be honest with you. I really don't get too tired. Yeah. I don't know why, but I, I don't get too tired. Maybe it's the uh, the supplements I take. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could be. I mean, it, uh, no, let me ask a side, sidebar. Do you work out? I do. I, I, I've been exercising, actually, just walking mm-hmm. um, uh, every day for about 45 minutes oh, an hour. Good around the neighborhood here, okay. because I live in the near west side near the Shrine of Our Lady of Pompeii, the old Italian historic neighborhood. Yeah. And so I just walk around, uh, Greg. And I've certainly been praying for you too, uh, Father Greg, uh, at the passing of your mom. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you very much, Richard. Yeah, May she rest it. in peace. How old was, was your mom? Mom was 97. Wow. Mom was 90. God bless head mom all those years. And uh, I have to be honest with you and with Mark and the listeners, Mother's Day was hard. Yeah. I went to St. Adelbert Cemetery. I stood in the rain uh, with an umbrella and cried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, hard, the first one is very hard. And, yeah. uh, and even, though, even though, but it's interesting, I've had more people say to me, if your mother were living right now during COVID-19, you may not be able to visit her. Exactly. She was yeah. at home with a caregiver, but I'd be afraid to see mom and give it to her. And if she did pick up the virus, she'd be in the hospital, sure. and I couldn't see her. And that, oh, even be, that would be awful, but uh, now your mother lived to what age? My mother was 94. That's, yeah, so God bless her mom. She so. died six years ago. Six years um, ago. And, and, Mark, and Mark, is your mom still alive? No, no, my parents both died young. My dad was 59. He died huh? about 30 years ago, and my mom was 70. So. Yeah, wow. I always say that when you lose a loved one, especially a parent, a part of you dies, and the more you love someone, the harder it is to say goodbye. Yeah. It but is. don't you feel like they're still with you, though? I mean, they're in a, in a, in a different way. Inspiration, exactly. In but I pray to my mother every day. In fact, I found the first couple of months, instinctively wanting to give my mother a call. I'd call her every day a few times, and move toward the phone yeah. and say, "Hold it, what am I doing?" Exactly. And I would yeah. pray to my mother. So, well, listen, tell us, Richard, what is happening? First of all, thank you for your prayers and uh, about my mother. because yes, she's gone now a few months, isn't she? Yeah, back too? in January. Yeah, yeah it's wow. already been now four plus five, months. Five, wow. Yeah, God four, bless. four and a half months, and it's gone by. And it, uh, and here's the interesting is that mom died in January, and on March 15th, this whole COVID-19 started, yeah. stay at home. Yeah. So I think for all of us, it's been just a very tough year. So let me ask you this, Richard. Yes. How has the whole <laughs> coronavirus affected you 
your ministry, the work at Our Lady Pompeii? Yes. Well, the, the shrine, very much like every other uh, institution, parish, or Newman Center around the Archdiocese, we're pretty much closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the only time I go over there is to record these um, Sunday. I do a Sunday liturgy of the Word. I've mm-hmm. been watching you with your little mask on uh, the cathedral <laughs> masses on on that, on, uh, on television, uh, Greg. Mm-hmm. But um, the, um, the so the shrine remains closed. I go over to do a liturgy of the Word. We record. Uh, our deacon, the Augustinian deacon, Dan Madden, whose ordination has been postponed indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he comes and he proclaims the gospel, and then I give a homily. And so I've been doing that. And then we have these things called medical de moments at the shrine. <laughs> these mm-hmm. are uh, Wednesday midweek meditations. So this past week I gave a meditation using my face shield, which we'll be using when we give communion for phase two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and so I went through the whole box that the archdiocese gave every institution, a, a box of cleansing, you know, materials and. You know, I that. actually put the uh, that face mask on yesterday, the shield. Yes. It wasn't as bad as I thought because it straps around your head. Right. And it's a clear plastic you can see through. It gives you sure. a full view. It gives you a full view. And well, uh, I have to be. I have to tell you a funny story. I there's a blue there's a blue. Um, film that is over it when you receive it. I thought that's how it was. I did, too. <laughs> and so I was wearing it with a blue film, and I couldn't see anything. I, I, I put it on, too. I said, man, this is difficult. I said, Dedica- I, I'm really having trouble reading here. Dedicated to Mary. Yeah, and I thought to myself, God, this if this is the way it is, I'm, I'm, in, I, I'm in trouble here. And by the way, Cardinal Supich is doing a marvelous job with the masses from the cathedral. Oh, he does. His homilies, he hits a home run every week. And and you do it all in a half of an hour. 20, 20 sure. 30 to be exact. Well, wow. That includes music. Can you um, give us some idea of how virtual technology has impacted your world? Yes. I mean, I, I believe that the virtual platforms that we use uh, at DePaul and at Catholic Theological Union, even here at the Shrine, we're basically using the Zoom platform, but there mm-hmm. are others. These technological platforms have kept us intact. Mm-hmm. Uh, apart from the TV, which is very difficult and very expensive to use, which is a form of technology and is being used, for instance, by the Archdiocese on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. with, with the Eucharist uh, celebrated by, presided over by the Cardinal, these uh, technological platforms have kept us together. Yes. True. I, I mean, uh, the, the, the live streaming platform that can be done with Facebook, for instance, or Zoom, which we had with meetings. Uh, this is how we're teaching at DePaul University. I have 40 students in a class uh, this, this spring, uh, spring quarter, and it's all on Zoom. Now, how Even does that if, work? How does that look for you? Do you have a screen with 40 pictures? Or? Um, well, uh, at, 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 at the way I've done it, is that I've broken up that class of 40 into 10, t- into two, sp- four groups of 10. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, okay. So you, so you can be very, very creative how you put this together. I meet with a group of 10 for about 45 minutes. Then I put them into a breakout room where they continue the conversation. They record the conversation, upload it for me to watch later on. Oh, my God. So that I have contact with these students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, this has held together our communities, these technological platforms, for which I'm so very, very grateful. Did you um, get training, or did you just have no, good instincts? I was baptized 
by necessity. <laughs> so then are you pretty computer literate? I, I am pretty. I, I, I've learned an enormous amount out of necessity at mm-hmm. this point, Father mm-hmm. Greg. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, been, it's been fine. I am now quite literate with, at least with the Zoom platform. There's a variety of others. There's Google, Google Meet. There's a variety of other ways people are using the technology. But it's basically the same idea. Right. It gives us a chance to be together when we are apart. Yeah. It is certainly uh, <clears throat> not the same, but certainly better than nothing. It's, um, it's, I'll, I'll be honest and say, as I'm doing this now for like eight weeks already at the DePaul School, and, and we had to finish our courses at CTU on Zoom as well. Mm-hmm. I've gotten used to this. It's kind, of, uh, it's kind of becoming, if you would, a presencing of people that I would have never expect could yeah. happen. Well, yeah, we, we have family celebrate. We've celebrated our... Uh, Via Mary, Zoom? Yeah, on Mary's birthday, Mother's Day. And on Mother's Day, our son Matthew and his wife announced they're expecting, you know, I mean... Oh, wow. You wish you could hug people when that's happening, but at least to your point, uh, Richard, it keeps. But you know, us Richard, together. you really have to, like I do. I miss the community gathered oh, around sure. the table of the Lord. I mean, right. be our, this is coming up to be our twelfth weekend without celebrating liturgy with our with our people. Exactly, the twelfth weekend. Who, you know, when you think about it, who would have thought that March fifteenth would extend until the end of May? And we're still not quite there yet. We're going to begin with the cathedral this weekend, opening for weddings, baptisms, and funerals. For 10 people each. Mm-hmm. Exactly, for maximum 10, 6 feet apart. In fact, we figured in the cathedral, I'm not sure about uh, Our Lady Pompeii, if we do the every other pew, 6 feet apart, social distancing, our capacity of 1,200 is now right. roughly 275. Right. So which we're talking a loss of over 900 places but and we're even a way of getting when to that number. When you say two seventy-five, you mean when you open up for phase two? Well, phase. now maybe phase three, four, five. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because the thing is, we'll start with ten, but then we have to find out from uh, moving down the road when we do begin liturgy, does ten get bounced up to let's say fifty or a hundred? It's right. not going to be just okay. Open up your doors and have people come right, in. Right, right, right. And uh, and the same thing will happen with Our Lady of Pompeii. But you're right. Sure. There's a technology. I'm actually. I'm still a computer moron, and I'm happy, but I have great help from Lori and others from the cathedral and Mark to help set me up for Zoom. And, you know, it's, it's, you really get, at least you get a chance to, to be with your people. How do you, how do you see this uh, pandemic impacting your priestly ministry? That's a good I, question. I, I, I have an unusual ministry as a professor and the rector of a, a small Marian shrine for the mm-hmm. archdiocese. I don't serve as a pastor, but mm-hmm. my pastor friends, mm-hmm. the word that I keep hearing from them is stranded. Yeah. Yeah. There's a sense of being stranded from a community, as, as Greg was mentioning, the human contact experience. Mm-hmm. I like and that so, word, stranded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in fact, I heard it also from a student at DePaul, when we were closing down the classroom uh, in uh, March, um, actually, I think it was March 13th or so was our final class, mm-hmm. I opened it up to the students in the classroom. There were, again, about 40 in the classroom, close, close quarters, like we were. And I asked them what they were thinking, and I heard the same word from one of the students. 
I'll never forget Sam. And then I heard it from a couple of my priest friends. There's a strandedness about it. Mm -hmm. But I think it's causing us as clergy to kind of re-envision ministry. Um, You just had a little advertisement with Todd Williamson, who is a graduate of Catholic Theological Union, Mm -hmm. actually, um, who is going to be interviewing the Cardinal, and, and they're going to be talking about how, in the midst of this pandemic, ministry to the poor and those in need is also changing complexion because of the circumstances shifting. And uh, so I don't think it's, I think that while in the middle of being stranded, I think it's causing us to be creative. What does it say? Necessity is the mother of invention. Invention, Mm -hmm. uh So we're inventing new ways of outreach. Um, uh, Here at the Shrine, for instance, we have our pastoral associate. He calls them, uh, he calls them phone, uh, phone ministry, uh, Mm -hmm. phone visitation ministry. Mm -hmm. We're doing that too. Yeah. And that's a creative outreach that we're doing to stay in touch with folks. The thing that I feel the worst for are brother priests in the archdiocese who live alone. See, I'm blessed yeah. the cathedral, with, including the cardinal. There's 10 of us. And yeah. we socially distance at all times, including meals. But, you know, I can think of priests in the archdiocese who live in rectories by themselves. Right. And that, ha- that is hard. I talk to some of them. And um, as you say, I think they feel very stranded, which is a, a great word. And, and I think we just miss that sense of community because, is, you know, isn't it funny that our whole, the whole thrust of Jesus was to gather around the table of the Lord to come together. And everything we do is about gathering either on the table of the Lord or for social events. And what happens now? We are isolated. But not only for us priests and deacons, whoever, religious life, to be stranded but I was thinking in terms of families, oh, because sure. when Mark talks about, you know, he can't hug his grandchildren, mm-hmm. and, they, and they do, like, drive-by waving mm-hmm. or in the mm-hmm. driveway. Well, talk about being stranded from your own family. I didn't see my family for three months. and Right. Now, it doesn't change. I don't, and Richard, I, I'd be curious about some of your spiritual messages that you have for people, like maybe even, what are you thinking about this week? Because the one thing I've noticed is, and I don't mean to be you know, overly emotional or anything. But, you know, my wife and I sit uh, to watch Mass. Our daughter's there, the dog's there. But Mary and I hold hands all during Mass. It's sure. a, and it's in the middle of our home. So sure. there is a blessing to that. Uh, we sure. don't we don't go out to pray together. We pray together right in our home. And don't say our, our youngest is special needs. She gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, she's part. She tells us to be quiet during mass. <laughs> if, if we start talking, Richard, what are what are your what's uh-huh. what are some spiritual messages you have for folks? Well, I, I think that um, I think that as I one of the things that's good for me as a sacramental theologian and someone who teaches liturgical practices, this is a great time to watch recorded masses around the world, actually, right, right, right. to see liturgical practices. And tr- some are grim, actually, <laughs> what I've been watching. Grim. Um, but, the, but, the, but the themes that I sense being spoken of consistently, whether it's, the, it's through the video, it's the, recording, the recorded liturgies, or even the online, the emails that I receive from different um, spiritual groups and all of that, there's basically three messages that I hear. It's kind of like, don't lose hope. Mm-hmm. Because, and secondly, that there is something 
called the communion of saints mm-hmm. that we're part of, even though there is no physical presence, tactile experience. Mm-hmm. There is this sense of a communion of saints, and, and, and then a movement. The third thing is the movement towards an interiority, so that, you, that this is a time for a mystical stillness and a going inward and finding that communion there and finding hope within because we can't do it without the way we are accustomed to doing it. Exactly. If I go along those lines, Richard, I keep telling people, choose peace over panic, faith over fear, and choose wisdom over worry. Yeah, and beautiful. Use trust in God. In Our Lady of Pompeii, I see how close you are with the congregation uh, at Our Lady of Pompeii. They miss you, Richard, I'm sure. Is there any Pentecost message you can share with our folks that um, they can't be with you, but they can hear, uh, our listeners could hear some of the beautiful spiritual messages that I've heard from you over the years? Uh, the, um, the Pentecost message that I'm going to be using, we're going to record this Liturgy of the Word uh, for Pentecost on Saturday so we can upload it for Sunday. So you can give them a teaser. Don't give them the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> but I, I'd like to recommend it to, <laughs> to uh, our listeners here. But what is your, uh, um, give us your web. Oh, it's ourladyofpompeii.org. Okay. All small letters. Pompeii has two I's at the end. Okay, ourladyofpompeii.org. Ourladyofpompeii.org. And yeah, you can, you can hear the virtual, mm-hmm. everything is, is there. Um, but um, what we're going to do is um, there is this wonderful Pentecost sequence. Um, there, there used to be in the or, or, or earlier liturgical tradition sequences for every major festival mm-hmm. in the church. I have an old missal from the 1600s and the Roman missal, and there are sequences there for every major saints' days. Mm-hmm. Sequences uh, are things that follow... Uh, there are things that follow, like a poem that follows after the second reading mm-hmm. before the gospel acclamation. And um, for the Pentecost sequences, oblig- obligatory, uh, and the Easter sequence is obligatory. They're the only two left that are of, of, of some obligation to be recited or prayed, and I'm sure at the cathedral you'll be uh, doing some form of that as well mm-hmm. for your Sunday Mass. But what I've been recommending and what I will be doing is I'm going to do a meditation on the um, sequence of Pentecost because it's the invocation of the Holy Spirit. And I think that throughout this uh, stay-at-home order, all these 12 weeks that we've been away, I think it's the Holy Spirit that we need to pay attention to to see what it's leading us to in, in recreating our, our communities. Because when we go back, in these phases, like phase one is opening now, and phase 1A, mm-hmm. we, just, we just sent in our paperwork for certification. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be quite the same. Exactly. And I think the Holy Spirit is the, is the, is the, is the breath of God, as it says here. Uh, it's, the, it's the ray of light that's been given to us from the Father and the Son that can inspire our minds. Um, to rethink and reimagine how we can find that communion of saints tangibly again. I think, I think Richard, you hit something important. 
when the doors open, things will be different. You see, some yeah. people's minds were like were supposed to be like flipping the lights on and all come back in. It'll be so different. Now it's the same Lord, same building you're walking into. But I always keep saying to people, um, the churches are not closed. Buildings are closed. You are the church. We are the body of Christ. Yes. And, and they can re- and really have people realize that they take on that they right. are the church, but it's going to be different. But when you think about it, Richard and Mark, you know, things are always changing. You look at a picture of yourself from five years ago and say, whoa, <laughs> this is what I looked like five years ago or 25 years ago or my college graduation picture, my ordination, I look like, I look like an altar boy. I've looked old my whole life. <laughs> and, well, your lack of hair doesn't help. But you know, it's so true, Richard. You look, we look at our... Now, I was ordained in 79. You were ordained in what year? 75. Are you 75? I, mean, I was ordained in... Yeah, I, was yeah. in five, I was ordained in the holy year uh, yeah. of, of reconciliation when we were able to use the prayers for the, for, the first... Um, the first time we use those Eucharistic prayers for reconciliation, because yeah. it was the general, and so is Blade, uh, Cardinal Supish was ordained the same year. He's class of seventy-five. I don't right. know. Uh, we're Omaha. We're, I was in. I was Albany. ordained on the fifteenth of August of that year. The so was he. Of, no, he was ordained on the sixteenth of August. Oh, was he a little I was, slower? Yeah, <laughs> I was ordained. I was ordained on the feast of the the solemnity of the Assumption, Assumption. of Mary, right. which was a Friday night. And he was ordained on the feast of get this Saint Rocco on oh. the 16th. <laughs> no <laughs> kidding. On a Saturday, sure, yes. Now, how did you know he was ordained August 16th? Oh, um, just from. Um, it's pretty good. From, how about uh, how about sports for 300? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but is... I'm just wondering, uh, since you've asked me to use this meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, but Greg, you were finished. You were finishing something about looking at photographs. You know, and just seeing how things change. How we're, you know, we're changing. So when people say, oh, it's going to be so different, and I'm saying, yes, it is, but that's okay, because God is with us, and God will see us through this. So that'll be different, but uh, our lives are always changing, but we don't even realize it. Yes. I think of the bookmark of Teresa of Avila, let nothing affright you, let nothing yeah. disturb you. All things are changing. God alone remains. Now, one that I prayer that I use, maybe you can help me out. I memorized it years ago, and I can't think of the saint who said it. I say this every day about ten times. It's four lines. Lord Jesus, may I trust in you completely, then I know you're with me, and I shall not fear, and you, Lord, will do the rest. Mm-hmm. Is that, do, you, do you remember who said I, I that? I don't know that prayer, no, but yeah. it's certainly a sentiment that's really applicable and necessary it for touched us these my heart. days. Here's a reminder that you can attend Mass online by visiting our website, archchicago.org. We have daily Masses from St. James Chapel at the Quigley Center and Sunday Masses in English, Spanish, and Polish from Holy Name Cathedral. The Masses are also available on Facebook and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash catholicchicago. Our thanks go out to ABC7 for televising our English Sunday Mass at 9.30 in the morning, to Univision for televising our Spanish language Mass at 10 a.m., and Polevision for televising our Polish language Mass Sunday at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Thanks for listening to us every Saturday morning on Relevant Radio 9.50 and 9.30 a.m. I'm Michael May for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. Join us every Saturday morning for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. 
You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.